Welcome to a special edition of Hit The Lights Plus. I've got Pete with me again, as usual. How are you, Pete? All right, Terry. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I'm currently very frustrated with the, a certain website um, and, and the topic of our podcast today. What's wrong with the website? Oh, we'll get into that. Oh, OK. okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready. If, you, if you've already tuned in, you'll have guessed it's going to be um, an amendment to, to the 18th edition podcast. So what we have uh, decided to do is just cast our eye over, um, discuss some of the points that have been raised and go from there and just to seeing what the actual practical applications and what some of the changes may actually mean for guys on the on the shop floor. Yeah, so it doesn't actually mean that that is what's going to be in the next amendment. It's just the option for electricians to get out there and put their thoughts and opinions in. You can go onto the website if it lets you and you can comment on the proposed changes, should we say? Yeah, so what, what we'll do at the end is we'll give the website address um, and the details of uh, where you can comment on some of the stuff that we discuss in the podcast. There's obviously quite a few changes um, they've started listing. I think one of the easiest and obvious places is we'll follow through with the book. Um, but the, the starting point is always kind of definitions and part two. So they've obviously thrown a few new definitions in there. There are some ones that they've re-clarified, redefined, if you like. So probably a, a good starting point is consumer units. So they've actually gone and redefined consumer units. So a consumer unit is when a particular type of distribution board is intended for operation by ordinary persons. Okay, so you would assume a domestic property, perhaps? I think you would. Um, I, I think it, it can apply to commercial operations as well, I would yeah. suggest. In, in, People you know, without the understanding of electricery. Yeah. I think in commercial industrial, though... <laughs> I can uh, this is going to kind of kind of be captured by relevantly trained personnel and, and people. But are everyday people or ordinary persons, as it states, going to really understand overloads, short circuits, earth faults, you know, potentially over voltage, arc faults? Um, you know, are they going to really understand what they're doing? They're just going to be switching it back on and off, potentially causing more more issues. So. Is that something that we should really be included that when a particular type of DB is intended for operation by ordinary persons, is there likely to be a situation that ordinary people should be doing that? Well, I suppose there's always going to need to be some sort of point of isolation. If, you know, let's say someone's installed a kitchen and then something going wrong, we are allowed to use a 60898 or a 61009 as a point of isolation. So it's always good for emergencies. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree. I think, I think in the in the real world, the reality of what we're talking about, you know, it's it's perfectly understandable. But we've got to have that definition in there. But I think it's it's just one of those for me that never quite sit right. No, it's, it seems like a technicality to me that someone wanting just to get an extra little change in there for the sake of having a change. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, there's been various other um, definitions changed, obviously, with the big Section 8 that they've added now um, with prosumer. So that there's loads of definitions in there with that. Other, other ones they've got in there is obviously all the various modes for um, prosumers. So, you you know, the various modes that we'll, we'll probably discuss in a bit later when we kind of gloss over Section 8. Would that be something similar to the island mode that we discussed in the EV podcast? It is, yeah. So, yeah, you've got island mode, singular, collective, shared. Those are all terms that have been added. Uh, they've also added the DSO term. Double socket outlet. <laughs> yeah. Replacing the district network operator. Oh. So there's obviously a lot of smart metering and stuff that's come into the sections as well for management of networks. So that's all included within the regs now. Okay, so now we all start moaning about the DNOs, everybody. It's the DSO who's the uh, people at fault. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Perfect, okay. And that's that's really the main highlights of, of definitions. Oh, oh um, I, I have one. Oh, go on then. There's the introduction of the abbreviation of a PEI. 
Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, so that's the um, to do with the prosumer, isn't it? Yeah, because when I first saw it, I thought, oh, protective earth something. What's that? And then obviously read through a little bit. And yeah, like you say, prosumer electrical installation. Well, well defined. Thank you. It's almost <laughs> as if I was reading it from a book. <laughs> or a crappy website. Oh, um, So, I mean, moving on there. So really, I think it's probably important to note for everyone listening that we're, we're going to be glossing over probably quite a few minor changes um, and just focusing on the, the headlines so that we can cover it within a fairly short amount of time that you can listen to. So I'm, we're moving on to chapter four. So one of the modifications has been um, to regulation 411.3.1.2, which is a mouthful in itself, um, that the, the clarification around pipe work and metal work within a, a domestic property if it's now entering with a PVC um, material, there is no requirement to provide a bonding conductor. Is this the one where it used to say where the um, supply enters through an insulating section? That's correct, yeah. And everyone was saying, well, what constitutes an insulating section? And we never got an answer. Basically, yeah. So I think they've added some clarity to that. Although... I would strongly disagree that it should be stated so clearly that we don't need to bond it. For me, having extraneous metalwork in the house, I would like to see that potentially bonded or at least clarification on the wording to say due risk assessment to be completed. Or yeah, some, obviously something. I haven't got that in front of me, but I'm pretty sure the wording states that where it enters through a you know the income is of where sorry where it enters and it's non-extraneous and then if it comes in in plastic then goes to metal you don't have to bond it however what we're saying is what if it re-enters the ground at some point because it doesn't make that clear does it it seems to be one of those open to interpretation sentences it does yeah i think even if it didn't re-enter the ground there's a potential there isn't there there could be because i mean then you could be talking about the ceiling grid conundrum What's that? You bond the ceiling grid. Christ, let's not go off on well, no, <laughs> that I'm just, you much know. of a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> the, next, the next biggie, um, 421.1.7. Now, this will be the, the contentious one, I, I assume, for quite a lot of uh, domestic sparks. And that's the uh, obligation or the requirement now to install arc fault detection devices. And then being mandatory for socket outlets and fixed equipment, 32 amps or less, with the exception of where they can be emitted where loss of power causes danger. And they have given a few examples in there, one of them also being domestic lighting. Yeah, I think um, from a domestic point of view, the two I saw was obviously the lighting and the fire alarm circuit. Considering a lighting circuit is going to make up 50% of a house house's wiring potentially more if you've got lots of spots or or something of that nature do you think they should be omitted and i think that that to me like it's a contractual get out that it'll leave electricians the scope to omit it for that reason and not necessarily for the reason that we're not going to have enough load to actually trip these devices my understanding on how an afdd works is that first of all no afdd works the same because they all detect different types of arc and then i also understand that there is a required magnitude of energy to be given the clarification or the um given the term arc otherwise it's a spark so um the bs 62606 standard requires a minimum of two and a half amps of arc to make the device trip and other manufacturers have gone beyond that and i think um electrium they do a 1.5 amp one my point being domestic lighting domestic fire alarms all the rest of it when are you ever going to have 1.5 amps of an arc especially it just seems very unlikely and then from sort of like an asset management point of view, why would you be spending all that money when you're probably never, ever going to gain the benefit of 
what it's there to do. Yeah, no, I quite, I quite agree. Um, it's, another consideration is is that they haven't made any concessions here for three phase, and I'm not aware of any um, three phase on the market currently. So they're almost setting an impossible requirement there. On the requirements, a lot of the stuff listed I thought would be three phase equipment. Yeah, so I mean they've given some. Um, I've got the uh, examples up. So they've um, a- AFDDs may be omitted where unexpected disconnection of the circuit could cause danger. For example, the exciter circuit of a rotating machine, a lifting magnet, fire extinguishing device, safety services, so firearm or gas, uh, medical equipment or lighting in dwellings. Well, yeah, like I say, I don't know of a three phase one. Uh, I'm concerned about the uh, a few concerns, really magnitude of current to allow to create a arc on certain circuits i'm a bit annoyed they stopped at 32 amps considering a lot in domestic now we're seeing um induction hobs hot tubs and um 40 amp circuits basically electric showers car chargers i think it would be nice to have them on that but then it doesn't mean you can't put them on that it just means that they're required below then we've also got rings because I know at the beginning there was a lot of doubt as to whether they would work on a ring because obviously fault would be split over the resistance and if it's arcing then more current will flow in the opposite direction so it might not again give that magnitude of fault current. Mm. Yeah I think they're all valid considerations that I think need to be potentially incorporated into this wording and this amendment. I, I do think AFDDs are a, a good thing, but I think there's we're going to have to. I'm not, I'm not sure if making them mandatory. Um, it's too I, soon. What yeah. we need is a lot of upskilling. I mean, even myself, and I've I've tried to do a bit of research. I've read the standard. I still don't know. I'll you know, and as a day-to-day domestic sparks, I feel we need a lot more training in these devices to be able to go out offer design and install these products yeah definitely i'd agree with that and it probably brings up a a, a valid point with everything that we're working here how many colleges are going to have art fault detection devices ready to go let alone you know consumable installations Um, the the guys i go down and see sometimes they haven't even got rcbo's they've just you know still on a 60898 split load rccb board yeah so yeah there's a gap there isn't there between between how we're educating the guys and what's actually being completed out in the out in the real world um, yep. particularly if this is mandatory um but yeah unless you've got any other points we'll probably move on from that one no I mean, the only point i'll say there is just because of the lack of training out there in the industry and lack of information i can't see this one making it through to the final draft and if it is i'd be shocked and appalled at the powers that be uh, I'm appalled. I will. I'm going to write them a stern letter. Yeah, you reckon? Probably not. I'll get round to it. Some point. So I'll, I will do it, but just you know, <laughs> sometime. Um, so they so they've added some other bits uh, regarding fire safety records um, to be kept. Um, they've also added some stuff about escape routes, which I don't think most domestic electricians are really going to be too concerned with well, I haven't um, seen the fire safety records but would you say that was something like a smoke alarm certificate so in such locations the fire safety design of the buildings should be documented this information should be included in the fire safety manual produced by or for the persons responsible for the building as detailed in local national fire regulations for example bs 99999 okay uh, Okay, um, so the electrical system designer um, shall provide the person responsible for the building with the details of the electrical system, setting out the basis of the design with respect to fire safety. Well, that sounds like that could become a bit of a document. Well, and this, this is what I'm thinking, but a good contractor um, and particularly a knowledgeable client, certainly in the commercial industrial, will have these things in place anyway. Yeah. No, no, fair um, enough. 514. So 
notices and there's a few extra yeah um, so i noticed there's lots of label changes so here we go i mean you could if you want to shout out to this one but i mean the only one really of note that i've taken is um dc colors um within installations and that label being now being required um so i'm assuming if we have dc cabling inside of a property you need to color it so people know what it is like where we're going to have potentially stored battery storage systems and we've got pv and all that sort of stuff um i think we just need to make some allowances uh, for the fact that we're going to have different it's not just harmonization is it yeah it's, no it's, i think you're right with what you're saying there like so we would used to having pv in the lofts and stuff and there's normally a pretty obvious notice as you enter the loft space but um with the likes of battery storage and that that will be carrying dc cabling through the infrastructure of the the building yeah so that's probably a good notice to have moving on then we've got the next one um included is foundation earths for new premises um so they've stated that there will be a 20 ohm maximum and that garages sheds etc outbuildings do not require an earth rod what's your thoughts on that sounds a bit vague really so um new buildings so let's say we're building a new house we then need to get in at that stage and say, hang on, mate, I need some uh, some bit of copper or something in this because I need to have an earth electrode. But I am um, another guy who works with a lot of foundation electrodes and they can corrode concrete. Is that true, Gary? So, yeah. So, I mean, I can speak from the, from the point of view of the water industry. So first off, we don't connect to reinforcement bars or rebar, whatever you want to call it, typically because it's considered to degrade the concrete. You know, concrete is a has a moisture content. It is, you know, mixed with with water and will remain moist throughout its lifetime. And if you've got trickle currents and potentially even large currents at some point of time, you're, you're going to degrade or wear the structure. Yeah, so, like an electrolysis or something like that happening. Exactly, yeah. And it's purposefully avoided in, in the water industry and i can't help but think that if you know for instance on, on on tideway we're following that rule and we need the the project to last 120 years you know the what's the average property supposed to last 60 70 years in construction most probably last at least 100 yeah i think you know 100 would probably be the number to aim for so um i know at least 10 years ago they were saying new build properties were expected to last 100 years is that a problem we're gonna have down the line then people's foundations are crumbling is that something that we'll have to inspect or get someone to inspect on our behalf well i don't think there's any way there's no way you could inspect it um the the integrity of foundations and you know typically if you were going to do this on a an industrial scale you would leave yourself an inspection point for the connection onto the rebar yeah. or you would or you would leave it uh, a, a, an element of the rebar a connection point above ground i think the, the full intention of this when they're saying foundation earth is to tap onto the rebar within the foundations of the property yeah that'd be an interesting one because i suppose now then they're going to have to start putting that uh, rebar because i know it's not required always only on certain grounds so it's now probably going to become a requirement to install that which is going to have a huge cost effect on the um, foundations. So I wasn't I wasn't necessarily aware that um, there are I know there are obviously instances where you're going to pour concrete um, and stuff like that, but I've always seen large foundations uh, poured that, that utilise rebar. Yeah, not all of them. All right, okay. I've learnt something today. Yeah, I mean by rights you should also use a uh, sort of like a whacking or a vibrating plate over the top so it settles and it fills all the cracks in the ground and all the rest of it but i've never seen anyone do that in domestic world i think the other the other factor you know in the water industry as well is that we set our our limit to 10 ohms yeah and obviously they're stating 20 here i i I i've never agreed with the fact that we allow it to be 200 um within the regs and okay this is a slight improvement on that that potentially all new properties i think we're not we're not capturing existing properties because there's no way to do that so 90 percent of the country is still not going to have this requirement and is 20 ohms even low enough well let me ask you a question in your experience obviously you're 
you will be doing bigger stuff, like you said, bigger foundations and that. What sort of reading would you expect on your average foundation earth electrode? Um, I mean, it, it can it can vary on typical ground makeup, but I, I know when I've been like out in Oxfordshire in, installing it, which is quite a chalky area, and typically it's very hard to get a, a resistance on, I've installed a 1.6 metre rod and I've got about eight ohms. Okay, that's eight. And I've seen a couple of guys on Instagram and they've got around two, two and a half. But the point I'm trying to get around to making is that that is still too high for us to meet ADS in the traditional sense. So obviously automatic disconnection of supply. So now we're going to start relying more on RCDs, surely, which is a problem in itself. It is indeed. And we'll get onto RCDs very shortly. Okay. Well, or the point I was just trying to make is I'm worried about the industry and people saying it's all right, mate. Just stick it on an RCD, in it. There we go. It's not saving the problems, is it? Because we've still got short circuit current issues and all the rest of it. So take that industry. So one of the one of the if we move on then from that, um, or do we do we have any final thoughts on that? Do you think that's something you will see come to fruition? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's been people talking about it now for a while. It's the network's had it really isn't it let's face it the network's really struggling and with all the stuff that's going on it's going to push the onus onto us as the installer so if we can do that it would be better i agree expensive for the property owner and i'm quite concerned about diverted neutral currents and trickle currents and that because we've already seen now even on a 16 mil or a 10 mil earth bond you can have up to 20 amps flowing around on that. So it's this electrolysis effect I'd be interested to learn about a bit more and the, the you know the hazards, the risks, the dangers. So if anyone wants to crack on and uh, point me in the direction of where we can do a bit on that, that'd be cool. Thanks. <laughs> that Thanks. was more like a plea for help. Um, well, I'm not finished yet. I'll be crying by the end of this. All right, okay. <laughs> Actual tears. Oh, there's more. Okay, so we'll move on then. And one of the um, the aspects I think we were all aware was coming for a little while. Um, they've clarified on RCD types. Um, so they put the, the clarifications on the DC currents and, and bits and pieces. But I think the, um, the main takeaway point that I've taken is uh, they've stated AC only for circuits with no known DC components. So let's say the immersion. Yeah. Uh, a distribution circuit perhaps to a subboard maybe not because that'll have dc currents further up won't it but so no well, not on your <clears> subboard so yeah i can't see many instances where there's going to be no known dc um within the circuit to be perfectly honest even some boilers now obviously they've got the uh circuit boards on on top haven't they um well, I think like the Weissmans and that, they're actually specifying a type B RCD. Right, okay. Yeah, so I can't see many instances where we're not going to be using this. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a few people out there doing type A's as standard. Maybe the type F's will come in a bit more, and then, you know, we're going to start seeing the type B's as well. So there we yeah. go. Yeah, well, I think it's something, you know, if that's going to be the case, I think resorting to type is probably not the best of ideas, but... What what else are we left with when, I mean, for instance, like your your phone that you plug in, do you know how much DC comes out of that as a, as a device? No, but then you're going to start asking manufacturers to start um, telling you this sort of stuff, and they that's going to be very difficult. So we're going to need equipment to be able to measure it. I think um, to try and measure it on the single conductor will be very difficult. I know that, like the mega have a clap meter and the stuff but it's not actually a true reading is it it's a um or oh, i think it's called the halls effect or the hall effect it, it's basically mm. like magnetic induction or something like that so it's right. a best guess on to the next section part six inspecting and testing there's been a 643.8 there's been a note removed for times five rcd testing yeah, now before I blow up, let's... Um... So they've removed the note regarding RCDs. Um, it, 
So I'll just read out the note that they've actually removed. Effectiveness is deemed to have been verified where an RCD meeting the requirements of regulation 415.1.1 disconnects within 40 milliseconds when tested at a current equal to or higher than five times its rated residual operating current. Yeah, so that's obviously putting a fault current of 150 milliamps in and it should trip in less than 40 milliseconds. Correct. Yeah. So that's been removed. Why? It's a to good question. To what it's benefit a, has that given us? I, I honestly don't know. Why Why wouldn't you do it? Right. So the use of RCDs with a rated residual operating current not exceeding 30 milliamps is re- recognised in AC systems as additional protection in the event of failure of the provision for basic protection and or provision of fault protection or carelessness by users. So that's what I say. Four point one point. Sorry, four point five point one point one is additional protection, which is five times. So is that saying that we're getting rid of additional protection? Because if we're not testing it, then how do we know it's working? Well, I, I honestly don't know. I think the basic forms don't seem to have the times five in, do they? No, they um, on the release of the 18th, they got rid of that and they just have RCD time. And then it's sort of down to us to explain which one we're testing to and to why. Because obviously on a TT, you'd likely use it for false protection. But on a standard TN system, you'd be using it for additional protection. So what's the outcome? I feel like it's taking away information of use to squeeze something else in elsewhere, I imagine. What potentially do you think that could be? Do you think it's relating to the RCD types and the potential inclusion of AFDDs or DC elements into? There will be, but I think it's time. Instead of taking stuff out, we let stuff actually stay in. I know it's like the lowest level form. You know, we we can go beyond it. But to me, if I get a certificate or report and I'm there to do an EICR, let's say. I want to see this information on the previous test certificate so I know what's going on. It, you know what I mean? If they start taking stuff out, just put another page in. What's it matter? There's already about 13 pages as it is, so another one's not going to hurt. I'd rather it was OTT than bragged. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, it's one of those, you know, you're taught even, I remember doing in my AM too, part of the criteria was not to complete a compliant certificate, but it was to actually demonstrate all of the testing. And we were expected to record that on the back of the paperwork and that he would also be checking that and those readings and that we'd actually conducted every other test as well as the ones that were recorded. So what what I don't understand, and we'll come onto the model forms in a minute, but just why we're reducing these requirements that automatic disconnection it's going to rely on being completed within 40 milliseconds. It's so one of them. We need... We've got the new PRS stuff coming in. We've we've done the, you know, the poor EICR stuff. It's only going to contribute to that because if it's not in there, then people aren't going to do it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a shame. I think most test kits will, will still have this function. You'd like to think doing an auto test and standing by a, an RCBO and flicking it on and off it's as it's no additional hassle to just carry out that test it's like ramp testing i think it should be it should be law to have to do a ramp test because you're verifying it's going to work i know you do the tests but to actually know what it's going out on you know if it's sensitive you know if it's right you know if it's not sensitive enough you it's the way to do it if you've got access to it why wouldn't you do it yeah, and again, I suppose it'll, it'll be down to the likes of the NIC and NAPIT um, on their their versions of the model forms. They don't have to follow these. So, no, that's what I'm saying. Um, these are the, the, the lowest, the entry level. So you can add to that and you can improve how you see fit. But I'm saying as the lowest level, the entry level, why would that not be put in there? Why would yeah. you take it away? So I think it's a valid comment that I would add on there. Um, I would like to see that note put back in um, for me. Yeah, leave it alone. Yeah. Um, so while we're talking about some of the model forms then, on across most of the documents, so the electrical installation certificate and the minor work certificate, they've 
remove the requirement um, or the tick box associated with risk, risk assessments. Yeah, so no longer can you append a risk assessment to say, I haven't done an RCD on this circuit because of this. So now it would be a departure from BS7671 and you'd have to do it that way. So yeah, so they, they st- it was always part of the departures uh, section of the report or, or certificate, I should say. Yeah. Um, but and I, I'm kind of mixed about this one because how many put it, putting that box there invites or almost requires if you don't tick it when you've done a departure. How many were actually completing those risk assessments where they were departing from the regs? Other than stating the, you know, exactly. Um, And I think they've done that to potentially close the loop on contractors not ever completing that that remit of work. You know, how many people can actually complete um, risk assessments and and stuff? Well, it's the understanding of what you're doing again, isn't it? It's down to should we say competency? Is that can we say that word? Is that swearing? Do you have to bleep that out? I think we can we can talk about it, but do you, all right. So l- let me ask this. I'll put you on the spot a bit. Do, do you it. think you're you're competent to do a risk assessment? Depends what I'm risk assessing. Uh, and okay, so a, a departure. Take any departure you want. And do you think you could risk assess that? It would depend, doesn't it? If I know what I'm on about, I'd have to have knowledge, and I'd have to be happy to stand up in court and say I've done this and it is no less safe and in most cases it would have to be more safe or more practicable to do it that way so you you know you have to value the safety safety is number one and if you can't do it let's say with an RCD have you used an earth metallic conduit have you used other safety features to make it comply so let's say (laughs) lighting in a house if I didn't use an RCD for lighting in domestic premises I would then do the whole lot in earth metallic conduit for example that's that's a good example and it it would be a an easy departure to detail but i think it's that that risk assessment element that i don't see why it should be removed it's a, a very small part and to say you've assessed the risk means you understand what the hazard is yeah and i'm probably talking very commercial and industrial when i say that and that it's utterly ridiculous for domestic electricians to think in that way because it's just not the same environment maybe its intention was to do that to stop people just so using it as an escape goat and uh, to actually make them do the risk assessments and note it as a departure otherwise they'll just say this regulation says i can do it and they'll um, use that as a get out of jail free card so for me i'd like to see that back in there me too Leave it alone. Yeah, <laughs> it's becoming a running thing. Um, so one of one of the, so I'm going to say this. There's been some positive changes um, to the model forms as well. They've added on the electrical installation certificate, particularly the schedule of uh, tests, um, RCD columns now to put in additional uh, information relating to the overcurrent device that's related to it. The BS number of the RCD, the type of RCD, um, and the you know the I delta N. That's all now per circuit. Good. So I think that that's a good addition. They've also added for AFDDs. Um, what and options are for an AFDD? Because obviously we had the functional check. Believe so. They've only literally just put a tick box. I don't know what more you could really do. Is the light flashing how it should be? Yeah, yeah. It's I don't similar know. to SPDs, isn't it, with the green and the red window? I think they flash to suit, and if there is a failure of the AFD and they fail safe to become an RCBO or an MCB, there is a fault flash to suit. So it'd be a visual check on how they are operating and if they've still got their AFDD functionality working. One of the other things they've added is the next inspection element. They've put number of years and then they've left space now for you to add your reasoning. Yes. So, so that is a really fantastic um, little is. bit. Although I, I would suggest they've not left quite enough room. But No, what was it? Half a page? That, that should do me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, this this is it. it, it you'd probably end up overlapping on the description and 
the overview or something like that. But I think validating how long till the next inspection is, is a key part. I don't want to be seeing 10 years and blankets, you know, blanket coveralls of satisfactory and it's okay for 10 okay. years. How many years? 10 years. Why, Lim? <laughs> I certainly hope to never see a limb in that in that oh, section. Yeah. Yeah. They've also added uh, an outcome of inspections section, which seems uh, it looked like um, a an abbreviated version of the schedule of inspections. So all, all they've really done is summarised each section and made it an overall tick or an A. I'm really lost as to the point of that. So you're um, saying like the um, you've got the incoming supply, then you've got the earthing and bonding, then you've got the consumer unit, then the final circuits. That's just listed, and then they ticked it or crossed it. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, being an, an EIC, it shouldn't have any crosses. It's tick or NA. So what what's the point of ha- adding that minute section when you've got four pages already dedicated to that? All I can assume is quick reference, but why? Yeah, I... I, I'm lost on that one. No, they're, they're doing so well at that last bit, and then they've they've come back to. Obviously, the guy who was doing it was off the other day, and then he, he's back now. <laughs> so that so that's some of the the main changes, and then we hit the massive section, the new the new no, beast. We haven't done seven yet. Well, there's a few changes, isn't there? The odd bit. There's uh, some new stuff for under four heating cables and some bits and bobs, but problems nothing that's gonna make us lose sleep overnight yeah and it's all special locations so typically you're not really you know we're obviously aiming this podcast at the the domestic electrician so yeah we don't do anything special so why would we bother with that (laughs) just just go wire your sockets in a shed mate don't need to work it anymore because that was too complicated for you so don't we've worry. changed the laws of physics. Uh, don't worry about don't, the, don't worry about the incoming war because that comes in plastic. You ain't got a bond there. Just stick a load of AFDDs on RCDs. Make sure they're all Type A. Bosh. Done. Anyway, that's a joke. But yeah, all right. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> right. So now we're we're on to the beast that is part eight, um, which is all about the prosumers' electrical installations. All the P E I. A P. I wish it was said pie. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> what about a pie? Um, Should we just talk about pie for a bit? We could do. So there's a lot to part eight. Obviously, we start talking about prosumers, which is basically being a producer and a consumer of electricity. Um, there's lots of information, you know, added um, with regards to smart grids in uh, section eight two two, talking about dynamic d- demand and response and two way communications. Essentially, your smart meter um, is looking to manage power within the grid. Um, so so like that, energy curtailment sort of stuff. They can limit your current when you're not using it. Um, yes and no. I think it's mainly to do with the management of the, the whole entire system, you know, to avoid everyone kind of losing power or rolling blackouts or whatever you want to call it, feeding the supplies to the key areas where needed. Then we've got 824 which starts talking about modes, which are obviously in the part two, the definitions. But really the the kind of main points that we're going to kind of hit on is we've got island mode, which is your favourite. No grid connection, but you're still powered. So typically you're going to be, yeah, you're going to be talking about having PV. You're going to have some source. You're going to have some sort of storage. I think typically you don't have to have both. Could be your car. Well, it could be your car. It could be just batteries that you you, uh, you know potentially in the same way you know we have the uh, heating systems the uh, economy seven so store your energy cheap at night and then um, use it during the day um, then we've got uh, our direct direct feeding modes which is the uh, the usual yeah power coming in from the yeah DSO. DSO. that's it you're already getting the terminology Yep. Then we've got reverse feeding mode, which is where the um, the prosumer then supplies the grid. Yeah, that's so all the feeding tariffs and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So potentially, you know, I'm not sure if it, if it's cost effective, but you could potentially get your energy nice and cheap and then sell back to the grid at a higher rate. I don't know if there's 
a Del Boy scheme in there somewhere. Well, not, probably not, because it's what fifth, about sixteen p a kill hour to buy it, and it's about five p to sell it back. So, and you're limited to how much you can do as well. It's sixteen amps or something, isn't it? I'm not aware of that. If I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, I think they've they've thought of that and thought, no, we'll put a stop to that before it gets too uh, exciting. Damn, there's another scheme ruined. Yeah, they they'll do that. <laughs> so then they talk about the other the other um, various modes being singular, which is just being typically a house. I would have thought. Um, you've then got collective, which a, a typical example would be flats, and then you've got shared. And I've I've never come across the shared. Um, example and there may be well examples in the UK of this not not I'm aware of maybe yourself but particularly where you know a number of houses in a street are are interconnected with their own production and storage whether there was a communal um, PV install or potentially communal storage uh, battery storage or something like that yeah is is that anything you've ever come across or heard of flats perhaps would be I haven't come across I'm just thinking but like yeah, like communal flats, I imagine, with a shared roof space, something that they could all benefit from, perhaps. Yeah, and I mean, it's a, it's an interesting thought. All of this, um, it's almost turning on its head now that, you know, we're going to supply the grid eventually. I can see that's where it's going to go potentially. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that or. Well, we're going to end up supplying the grid. Yeah. Over time, if every if every house has, you know, PV or solar and and battery storage as well as electric cars, why, you know, if not, we don't need to use the grid, then we'll be giving it all back and sharing it back and forth. Because then, you know, there's lots of other things to take into account. And also, what about the total harmonic distortion? There is that, yeah. So there's the filters and all the rest of it going in. So is that someone we're going to have in the year 2070? Or um, (laughs) that's the come. Just just something to think about. That's all. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We need to think about what's going to happen in the future. But um, definitely, I think the steps are being made now. um, Certainly to get it into the regs. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Going to need some filters and some suppressors and some. uh, It's all coming. Your fuse board will be the size of a car. Sorry consumer unit pie pie. (laughs) um so that's probably the abridged version of some of the changes how how do you feel about some of that do you feel there's more positive than the negative it's it's bitty it's the same with every time they do it isn't it there's some things you think oh i like that and other bits you think well why and then there's just a few little changes in that but um it's one of them. What I'd like to know is how. What do you think's going to stay? What out of what we've just discussed do you think I really like that? I'm glad that's here. And what don't you particularly like? I don't particularly like it, but I can see some form of the AFDDs becoming mandatory. I think they might need to clarify that wording a bit better. So I can see I can see that coming in, particularly or they might change the application, making it mandatory for everyone because you know. Yep. The only omission of saying when it causes danger is not necessarily a good terminology to use when, say, you're in an industrial application. If if the British standard is telling you you have to use ADDs, what about loss of communications? What about loss of secondary systems and things like that that are, are critical to not necessarily we're not talking about supplying you're saying, like, what about your data transmission centres and all the rest of it, so that your whole setup can work? Exactly. I think loss of loss of all service your and, and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. You know, that's critical infrastructure. And well, wouldn't we, that go down the same route as SPDs, where, but obviously, the reverse of saying about um, you don't want to lose supply because it's loss of financial earnings. Yeah, I think it's a it's a little bit the reverse with. Yeah, oh, cool. it, isn't it? It would be the yeah, like say the flip, um, and it potentially. I mean, obviously, you you'd want you'd want power supplies to trip. You'd, you'd want you want this these devices to work. And I am pro um, arc fault detection. I, I do think it is a good thing, but I think they need to carefully word that section a bit more. I, I believe they will probably address it 
because I think that's probably going to have the bulk of the comments from what's being issued. I just issued. don't know if the industry's ready to go mass scale because it is that is mass scale to do that. So I I don't feel ready. So hypothetically, if it came into say today, and you went into a property tomorrow, and there were obviously no AFDDs in there, would you consider coding that? Well, that's what I was going to mention next. So we've had it with, let's say, um, the plastic boards to non-combustible materials. That's now a C3 if it's in an escape route or under a stairwell. Otherwise, you don't code it. So would we not code it unless it was in a certain environment? Such as? A thatched property, somewhere, you know, a log cabin, something that is made of combustible materials. Yeah, I, th- I think you've got a good point there. I think there can be um additional requirements for like you say i think uh, thatched properties are, are a very good example of yeah i must have but how many thatched properties do you work in in a year because personally i've never worked in one but like sheds and outbuildings and i've worked in some log cabins and stuff like that i could see the benefit there and then what about rental properties would it be you know something more where someone's less interested in the quality of the installation because they just want to live there they don't care about maintaining it, do they? They just want it to work. So would you then say, what about social housing where people are more at risk? Flats, yeah, yeah, know, the, I, I would agree. I think, you know, type. HMOs and, and that sort of thing is where we're going to probably see it. Yeah, like your standard domestic house, I don't see the... They're a good thing, but they're also really expensive. I'd like to see a massive pay decrease in them. Like you say, an MCB, let's say it's a fiver, an RCBO, we're averaging £15 domestically. So how much do you want to pay? Yes, there's more technology in there. If they were, Even if they were £50 each, that's a lot of money on a board. So let's say the average board's a 10-way board. So you're putting another 35, 350 quid on a board, plus more labour, plus more test equipment are we going to have afdd testers coming out and i also think that um they're developing arcs so they can't as technology comes out they have to sort of differentiate between an arc what is an arc and what's expected mm-hmm. so what do you do then yeah we have i mean to buy updated ones or can we update the firmware or what goes on it's scary it it's is, not yeah. it's there's no way they just can't bring them out that's something to bring it out to scare us all for a bit and then maybe it'll make people start to think oh i should start listening to people about afdds i just can't see them pushing it through well, uh, certainly until there's a three phase on the market it's an impossible requirement isn't it so. yeah exactly and then i'm you know i'd still like to know why not up to 40 amps i know everything seems to be up to 32 but when you've got all these induction hobs and you've got range cookers, you've got electric showers, you've got car chargers, that's where I'd like to see them first. Mm. Well, I think probably moving on. Another thing I think we will see is the foundation earthing. I think that's I think that's a quite a simple one to do for new builds. Yeah, it's just trying to get the point across to Mr. Builder that he needs to put reinforcement bars and all the rest of it into his foundation and he says no i don't and then then what you do i don't know argue with him (laughs) you need a retrospective solution as well i think moving forward yeah so there's your multi-million pound idea if you would like to go away and work on that tonight we'll pattern it in the morning yeah i'm sure there's enough of that already exists um and what about all the prosumer stuff do you think we're going to see all that come to fruition? I'm excited for that. That's sort of boring, geeky stuff that I get all excited about. I love it at the minute. You've got all the um, like the PV feeding into the battery storage, which all feeds back. It's, it's like almost proper engineering, isn't it? So mm. I'm a, I actually want to look into the PV stuff myself. One of the, one of the things we said at the start. So the website to actually go to is uh, standardsdevelopmentbsigroup.com. And if you register for a free account on there, they have, in a loving manner, split um, the chapters down into four different sections. 
um, and you can upload and actively comment on each of those sections. So if there's anything you've heard today, um, you know, please go to there that you, you disagree with. Read, read the defined wording. Don't rely on what we are saying. Get the information firsthand and um, comment away. Yeah, and it's worth noting as well, don't try and do it on your phone. Don't try and do it on your iPad or your tablet because I've had no joy on that at all. If you do go on a laptop or a PC or a Mac or something, it still it still tests your patience. So just yeah, be aware. I, I, th- I think, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll leave the podcast on this note, I think. Whoever um, has decided to do this. Now, uh, early on when this came out, obviously we are all aware of the date and the time it was all coming out. And I initially logged on um, on the day that it was uh, to be released and there was no download link so i rang um bsi and said look what's happening um they told me that there was a two-week delay due to covid um that there potentially wouldn't be any extension of the time period for commenting which obviously made me very cross um because i started thinking about conspiracies literally within five minutes of that the link appeared um then later that day it disappeared um, and turned into four different sections, probably because loading it all on one page just it crashed every time. Um, and even in the quantities that they've shared these pages, it, it just it's incredibly slow and painful. So what I would like to say is there's with all the technology and particularly I'm, I mean, I'm going this at the IET as the leader of the Institution of Engineering and underscore technology can we not move into the 21st century and find a better method of sharing an amendment? Here, here. And we'll leave it there. Thank you. Hopefully that was useful to some of you. And thank you for listening. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Hit the Lights. I'm, uh, I'm on house arrest.